You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020, hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Ravel Media. The Women on the Road campout is just a couple weeks away now, and tickets are still available if you haven't gotten yours yet. The second annual in-person outdoor weekend event for women and non-binary individuals interested in road travel will be happening October 4th through 6th near Moab, Utah. And we'd love to see you there in whatever vehicle works for you. Campers, trucks, cars, buses, tents, and more are all welcome. To read about the workshops and the live music lineup and to register for the campout, head to womenontheroadpodcast.com slash campout. We truly can't wait to see you in person and look forward to our paths crossing in Moab so soon. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by Merrill. Merrill believes there isn't just one way to get where we're going. And as travelers who are drawn to new destinations by the outdoor journeys that await, that's something we can completely relate to, especially when it comes to seeking out new trails. Merrill's goal is to provide thoughtfully designed, rigorously tested products that overdeliver on performance, versatility, and durability. So you'll be prepared for whatever trail the road takes you to. Stay tuned for later in this episode. I'll share how I got back onto the trail after taking last season off of backpacking and what it was like to experience a night in the backcountry with a good friend. Learn more at Merrill.com. This episode of Women on the Road is also brought to you by Deuter, who've been making technical hiking, backpacking, snow sport, and bike packs, German-engineered since 1898, for comfort, fit, and ventilation. And did you know they now make travel packs, too? It's true. Deuter pulls their same commitment to quality and sustainability to make the Aviant Bag Series, designed for you to take anywhere. Hear more about it all later in this episode. And in the meantime, learn more at deuter.com. That's D-E-U-T-E-R.com. Honestly, I don't follow a lot of mainstream van life accounts, mostly because I get really frustrated with always seeing the sort of like the same narrative, you know? And basically, I just want to hear stories from all types of people. I want people to feel like they belong wherever they want to be and when you feel like you belong somewhere that is a game changer in your life. That makes you feel so much confidence and self-worth and you value yourself and I just want everyone to experience that I guess. I'm Laura Hughes and you're listening to Women on the Road a podcast to bring you closer to some of the honest experiences that life on the road has to offer from the perspective of women who've lived them firsthand. I've been trying to get an interview set up with Summer Mashad Skog, who lives full-time in her vehicle and is the founder of Fat Girls Hiking, for the better part of a year. But you know something? I feel like we were actually supposed to have this conversation right now, this week in fact, while Summer was parked in a rainstorm in her home state of Oregon, and I was in Utah staring at my phone a little more than usual. If you've been keeping up with any recent Women on the Road or hashtag DiversifyVanLife content online, then you'll know that there's been a lot of conversations happening when it comes to DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, within the hashtag VanLife community. For us specifically, there have been moments for education, even more moments for learning, and some challenging conversations with members of our own community around why it's essential to intentionally create space for women of color and other marginalized groups to share their stories with us by participating in a listening role why it's not enough to be a part of a community defined by gender, and that that factor alone does not mean all of our experiences, oppressions, and microaggressions are equal or shared, why those with more privilege in our community have been asked to spend more time listening and less time talking for a minute, 
and why it is that we even feel the need to ask for listening to begin with. Transparently, I've come out of this week wondering how to be both a leader and a follower when it comes to these very important issues. And this will hopefully make more sense later in the episode, but I was really inspired to take a page from Summer's book and lead from behind. Because Summer knows firsthand about what it takes to support a community where inclusion is the priority. And when you start at the back, it changes your group's dynamic. Everyone's pace and style is the right one. You hear conversations from people who are struggling most. And most importantly, you let everyone move the group forward, with nobody left trying to catch up. To start off our conversation, Summer told me about the camper she's currently living in, a 1989 Chevy G20. She seems rather smitten with it, but this isn't the first vehicle she's lived in. So when I started a year ago living on the road, I was in a 1996 Toyota Corolla, a four-door car, stick shift. And I just like really wanted to get out on the road. And so that's the vehicle I had at the time. And so I was just making it work. And I set out from Oregon to Minnesota where my mom had a maybe workable minivan that I could use for the rest of my time on the road. And so when I got to Minnesota, I got into a 2001 Oldsmobile Silhouette, a nice minivan. <laughs> not very nice, very rusty from Minnesota. And then it led me to having that vehicle for seven months or so. And, and I traveled all around the country and Canada with it. And then finally the brakes went out because <laughs> they were very rusty. And then I had a friend who had this Chevy G20 who said, I know you're looking for a van. I know your van broke down. And she knew that I was living out of the van. And she just said, hey, you can have this van or, you know, you can pay me when you can for it. And it's just sitting in my driveway. And I was a little intimidated by the bigger size after being so comfortable in a minivan for a while. But I feel like it's a more sustainable lifestyle living in a van, having a little bit more space. Whereas in the minivan, it was like my bed was the entire back <laughs> of the van. So it was like a platform with bins underneath for storage and then a real bed on top and then a few like bins on the side. I couldn't cook inside of it. And so being in this bigger van has really been a game changer for me as far as really believing that this can be a sustainable long-term way to live in a van having like a bigger space. And it's been perfect for the summer. And I, I do hope to do more work on it to get it insulated and have it be more comfortable long term. But yeah, I've just been so busy this summer. I really haven't had much time to work on it. But I do have a nice setup. I have like the platform from the minivan with my bed on it. I built some little shelves from, you know, Ikea or whatever um, to store my stuff so I can cook inside the van with the doors open. I have like a little dresser and I have like a record player and all my gear, everything I need for hiking and stuff to do art. And I feel very comfortable in this space. Yeah, I can hear the excitement in your voice. And the first thing I feel like I need to call out is you are not the first person to say you have a record player in your van. And I just think that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I also have a typewriter. I just think that that's sort of like the lifestyle for me that living in a van is where you're less digital is important to me. My job is online and everything I do to promote my work is online. And so just having these things where I'm like listening to an actual record, like especially when I'm at the ocean and I feel more connected to music that way, I guess, than listening to it on like a Bluetooth speaker, you know? And the same with my typewriter. Like it feels very much more like I'm connecting to the words that I'm typing and I'm connecting to like having this actual piece of paper to hold in my hand. And, you know, I have the possibility to like make zines or, um, you know, just like type little letters to my friends or my family. 
and that feels really special to me so it's a space taker upper but I don't mind it's worth it you know <laughs> when Summer says she spends a lot of time online for her career it's largely supporting the organization she started called Fat Girls Hiking which has been around since 2015 it started because I was hiking a lot in Portland and my girlfriend at the time and I were hiking and we were just feeling, you know, at the time kind of like not represented online. And even when we were on the trail feeling kind of like awkward, like people were kind of looking at us like, what are you guys doing here, you know? And at first it bothered me, but mostly it made me realize that I would see other people, you know, other fat people or queer people in my friend circle who were also hiking a lot and just feeling like, you know, I was like getting to this age in my late 30s where I wanted to meet friends, but I didn't really know how to do that. And I wanted to hike with other people, but I also, you know, how do you do that? And so it just started this thing where Fat Girls Hiking was like me and my girlfriend at the time doing hikes and sort of talking about what we were doing and, you know, posting photos of our adventures and things like that. And then it's quickly evolved into people using the hashtag and then me like featuring people based on using the hashtag. And then that led to people saying, I really want to go hiking with you. And at first I was like, what? I don't know how to do that. Like, I'm like a newbie. Like, I'm a new hiker. You know, I've never considered myself an outdoorsy person back then. But it was like building the community online really opened this space so that we could like have this space in real life together and really have a community. And I didn't even know at the time when I created it that I needed a community like that where I could be whoever I was. I could be fat, I could be a slow hiker, I could be queer, I could be a woman, I could have all the wrong gear and people wouldn't care. People were like just excited to like be outside and like, you know, be together in the outdoors and appreciating nature. And now there's 29 chapters which is so wild to me and amazing and it all started with me going on the road really. At this point Summer had six chapters of Fat Girls Hiking open but she had an ambitious vision and knew that getting to different parts of the states in person would help bring it to life. So she got in her car with the plan of meeting people who wanted to join the Fat Girls Hiking community, talk to potential ambassadors for local chapters, and of course hit the trails. I was so nervous to go on the road by myself and I didn't have a lot of money. I did like a GoFundMe, you know, and the community made donations. And so I was really worried about finances, worried about my mom's old rusty minivan breaking down. <laughs> but I felt like I just really wanted to take that leap, you know. And this is something that I don't talk about a lot, but I was in a really terrible relationship, an abusive relationship, and I needed to get out of there, you know. I, I was living with my partner, and I needed to get out of there. And it was really like the catalyst that pushed me to just do it and not worry or not be nervous because the situation I was in in my house was not good and I needed to leave. And so that's what sort of pushed me to just do it, you know, and within like a month I was out on the road because I had to leave that situation for my well-being, really. Um, and so that's what started it all. But really, like once I was out on the road, it was really like this amazing place to like be alone and go through this healing process. And I think the, the thing that I loved the most about it was I was in this terrible relationship where I was a shell of myself and had so much anxiety all the time and I started to trust myself 
trust my instincts and trust my intuition. And I was really able to hone in on those things because if I was in my van and I parked in, you know, a Walmart parking lot or wherever and it didn't feel right, I wasn't going to stay there because, you know, it wouldn't be safe. So I was really able to like hone in on this, like my safety is important and my well-being is important. And I think that being on the road taught me that so much. And so when I left, I was gone for about three months. I started out in Oregon. I went to Minnesota. And then I went from Minnesota to the East Coast. And I mostly stuck to, like, campgrounds and small towns outside of cities. I quickly realized that being in a city and sleeping in Walmart parking lots or sometimes Planet Fitness parking lots wasn't the most fun to me. I started to really, like not enjoy being in urban areas and I just felt safer being in a van in small towns or out in the woods or something and so that's what I did I started realizing that once I got to the east coast and it was fun it was hard but like I loved every minute of it I guess you know sometimes it's like just the basic things that we do every day cooking, you know, showering, having a bathroom, things like that that are challenging that we really take for granted when we live in a house or an apartment or something. But I really love the creative problem-solving aspect to van life where, you know, you just have to figure it out. And I'm very good at creative problem-solving, so I enjoy that. I really do enjoy that. But, yeah, once I got up to Montreal, it was so cold, and they had this, like, terrible cold snap in like beginning of November and this big snowstorm and I got snowed in and I had to like get a hotel for a couple of nights because it was too cold in the van and I woke up in Montreal one morning in my sleeping bag which was not warm enough for five degrees and I went to put my contacts in and they were frozen little ice cubes in the case. <laughs> and everything's in French in Montreal. And luckily I have my cell service works in Canada and went to like a McDonald's or something nearby to warm up and defaw my contact lenses out. <laughs> but that was like the moment where I realized, okay, like this is not uh, sustainable for me to like be in this cold weather. I, you know... So I cut my trip short by two weeks and just headed back to Oregon. So it ended up being, I think, two and a half months that I was actually on the road for that trip. I think I drove back to Oregon from Detroit because I went through Canada. I think I drove back in like three and a half days or something. I was driving like 12 to 16 hour days and just very excited to get back to Oregon. So happy to like see all the places that I saw. And I did so many hikes, you know, on the road, saw so many beautiful places, you know, but really, truly the place in my heart is Oregon. Now that she's back in Oregon, Summer's been doing a lot of the legwork to follow through on helping support the development of the other Fat Girls hiking chapters that were created as a result of her travels. There are currently 29 chapters, which has made a really big impact on people who want to hike together in an inclusive space. People are super excited to have communities where they live and I'm super excited every time an ambassador sends me like the group photo with the banner that says fat girls hiking on it um, from their hike I'm I, I, I'm just like I, I cry almost every time because I just feel so proud that like this is what the community has become that so many people want to have this space where they can you know um, where they won't be left behind which is really important to me with fat girls hiking that 
on every group hike, like we lead from behind. And that's really important to me that you can be slow and, you know, we're not going to leave you and you're not going to hold anyone back. I think that's people's greatest concerns when they haven't been hiking or they haven't ever seen people that look like them hiking. And so sort of offering these people in this group that I'm a part of this representation and the support and like celebrating them wherever they are has not only like helped all these other people, but it's like helped me to know that like, you know, we are a community and that's amazing to be part of doing this and creating this space for other people is such a gift and it's so healing to me to like be outside with people in this way where we're just like connecting with each other and we're connecting with ourselves and we're connecting with nature and having that is like so healing for me as a fat person who's told that I should want to change my body you know to be quote-unquote good and I'm like done apologizing for my size and for the space that I take up in the world and you know I encourage people to do that for themselves as well that we don't have to be ashamed of who we are I mean I think it's all about loving ourselves the way that we are and it's so hard I think in our culture because we're not really taught how to do that you know we're taught that we need to change to be better or that there's so much involved in like shame and oppression and all these things that I think about all the time and other people think about it too and so to have a community that not only wants to be outside but wants to like use the outdoors and use hiking and nature as a way to like heal from sort of the pressures of our society it's been incredible and to be able to like be um, outdoors all the time in my van um, the whole point for me is that I'm outside all day pretty much and that is like incredibly rewarding and I feel like I've never been happier in my life. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you sound like you're totally on fire, which I love. And I I really want to call out something that I have never thought about before that you said about being on the trails with these group hikes and leading from behind. And I think that there's something really powerful about that. And this, for me, seems to be a common thread with a lot of the work that I've seen from what you've done, just kind of calling out that everybody is capable and it doesn't matter at what pace you go or what you look like or where you come from, that everybody is on the same trail or wanting to travel in some way or, you know, living their life however makes them happy. And all they need is support. And that's what leading from behind is instead of I'm going to pull you in this direction and you need to keep up or you're not successful or you're not doing it right. The concept of leading from behind, I think, is really, really compelling and very beautiful. Thank you so much. I think it it all stemmed from like having a lot of interest in like gymnastics and dance. And I was in track and field as a kid. And I was told that I wasn't good at those things because of my body size and because I was slow. And so these things that I really, really love that probably could have been really good outlets for me as a kid and as like a teenager, I stopped doing because I, I didn't feel like I belonged there and I was shamed for being slow. And when I talk about that, I feel like, and I I think other people in fat community talk about this too, and it, it stems from fitness trauma. And that to me is what it feels like. So creating a space where we can do movement together. And I like to talk about hiking as being this joyful movement, right? It's not exercise or it's not fitness to me. It's like this joyful way to move your body, right? And making it accessible not only to like people who are slower or who maybe need, like I want it to be accessible to people who maybe need to, you know, have benches along the trail or people who use wheelchairs or mobility devices. Like I want 
to find those spaces because we might not all be able to be on the same trail because of our abilities. And so how can I further that even more now that I've done all this work up until now to educate people or give people the knowledge of like how to access a trail if they need to sit down every so often because you know they have chronic pain or whatever that's really important to me as well and acknowledging that we all experience things differently and really like that I'm not trying to like center my experience because I know that I'm a very able-bodied person and I can hike trails pretty easily for the most part but like I have friends who are wheelchair users and I want to find places where they can come and hike with me too. So that's super important to me too, to give people that knowledge. And I think that it's so hard to find people I know who, um, who need like ADA trails. The access to that information is really hard to find. So there are trails that exist like that in the world and just having that be something that people can access is really important to me also in the work that I'm doing. Sit tight. We'll be back with more from Summer after this. Merrill exists to give you all you need to discover the simple yet profound power of the trail. Their goal is to provide thoughtfully designed, rigorously tested products for everybody and every body because they believe that time on the trail is something everyone can and should be able to enjoy. Backpacking is one outdoor activity where I feel totally at home. My legs were built to carry a decently heavy backpack and I don't easily tire on a long trek. So it's something I look forward to every summer, but last year I didn't make it out on the trails as planned. Between taking photography jobs, moving from Washington to Utah, and building out a camper van for part-time travel, my body was elsewhere, even if my mind was still in the mountains. So when an invite to backpack in the eastern Sierras of California with a dear friend came up earlier this summer, you bet I found the cheapest plane tickets, packed my Merrill Ontario mid-waterproof hiking shoes, and made it happen. Because even with a short weekend's worth of time, you can do a lot. In our case, it was 11 hours of driving, 16 miles of trail, and one incredible evening at high elevation enjoying a backcountry happy hour at sunset. And so even if the trail hasn't found you yet this season, there's still time. And no matter if it's an overnight trek out of state or a new local hike you've been wanting to try, you'll never regret giving yourself one more mile outside. Stay tuned for more stories with Merrill. And to learn more in the meantime, visit Merrill.com. Deuter has been making technical hiking, backpacking, snow sport, and bike packs German-engineered since 1898 for comfort, fit, and ventilation. And because Deuter wants to help you go anywhere, they applied their same high standards of quality and sustainability to make the Avion Bag Series designed for your travels. The Avion Travel Bag Series meet with carry-on luggage sizing requirements and have a smartly designed organization system to keep your travel times and hassle down to a minimum. Recently, I spoke with founder and host of She Explores, Gail Straub, about my recent trip to the Eastern Sierras, where one backpacking bag wasn't enough and I needed a small carry-on item, which typically causes me some mild anxiety, wondering if the bag is actually going to fit in that precious underseat storage. I always feel like I'm kind of sneaking around, um, you know, everyone trying to get on the plane with my bag. And that's partially because I never really know if the bags that I have are going to be able to fit. Ooh, yeah, that's a big problem for me to be concerned. So you took it with you to California. Yeah, I did. I recently took it with me as a carry-on plus a Deuter backpacking bag and it was really easy just to get on my flight, be able to access everything I needed to and not worry about whether I was going to get in trouble or not for having too big of a bag. <laughs> Sounds like a great travel companion. It totally was. From the airport to the mountains and back again, get yourself a bag that you can trust will make the journey with you. 
Learn more by heading to Deuter.com. That's D-E-U-T-E-R.com. We're back with Summer. And while I've always loved seeing her work with Fat Girls Hiking and followed along while she was on her road trip, one of the reasons I wanted to chat with her on the podcast specifically was because of an account she created a handful of months back called Van Life on the Margins, which aims to share stories and highlight people who are not often seen online and who do road travel differently than the hashtag van life culture a lot of us are familiar with. I asked her what made her start the account to begin with. As I started traveling and getting sort of ready to travel and live, you know, nomadically and like live in a van or a car, you know, I was looking on Instagram. I was trying to find, you know, that same thing as when I started hiking, trying to find other people like me, I guess, that are doing what I'm about to do. I kind of just wanted to see, like, how does a fat person live in a van, (laughs) you know? Like, do other queer people feel comfortable being by themselves on the road? Like, I love women on the road, and I find so many great people through your podcast and through the Instagram page. And I want to see people like me, I guess, too, which, I mean, you do have people like me on your stuff. We can always do better, though. You're totally fine to say that. Right. So can I, too, with Fat Girls Hiking. It's definitely hard because, you know, I'm a fat, white, cisgendered woman. And so a lot of people who tend to be gravitate towards Fat Girls Hiking are white, fat, cisgendered women. And that's great. And I want those people to feel like they have the representation, too. But I obviously know that just in the community and, like, online, too, that I could do more to really seek people out. And I, I really do the best that I can. But, yes, it's hard to, like... Like build a community and make it accessible for all people and so I know um, from your end and like the work that I do too it's like we all want to see a variety of people and learn from them and hear their experiences and connect with them and like that's really important to me and so I wanted to know how other fat people lived in vans honestly and not only that just like queer people and people of color and any marginalized people I wanted to see how they lived on the road and was that experience different for them which I'm assuming it is different for everybody you know but I think that when we have these privileges like you know I'm I'm white so that's a privilege for me and I totally acknowledge that 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 is a privilege that I have and what can I do to dismantle this white supremacy like what can I do just being a a white person what can I do and so I'm constantly asking myself that question and so what I wanted with the van life on the margins was to have more representation specifically for marginalized people. But, you know, I did connect with a few other fat women who live in vans and like that's so cool to me and then I met like this queer couple who lives in an RV and travels around and like I've met just through Fat Girls Hiking met a lot of people who are doing that and also have inspired a lot of people through my openness about van life and I don't really talk about van life a lot on Fat Girls Hiking but yeah so I just want people who maybe think like when they look through a van life hashtag they see I mean, let's be real. The the typical is, like, usually thin, white, cisgendered, straight men by themselves. Or it's, like, a couple, right? A dude and a girl, right? And that's, like, very common. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, when that's, like, the only thing you see, 
in that hashtag or, or it's like these beautiful landscapes or people who have a lot of money you know to like have these really fancy vans and people who have like money to travel and aren't like I live paycheck to paycheck still but I live in a van right as a poor person living in a van it's very different than like having a, a really expensive nice van I've talk to the cops in my town several times because people have called the cops on me and I think like honestly I feel like if I had like a super nice sprinter van like you know that wasn't my van's all rusty which I love but I think that like people think that like I'm homeless right they're like oh this homeless woman's living in her van right and there's a big difference I think between that and then like what we see on van life it's like people that have a lot of money to like recreationally live this way as opposed to people who like like me where like this is a financial choice I'm making to not pay rent and to live in this cheaper way so I can like do this work that I'm passionate about but when people look at my van or they they see me or whatever that their perception is different than if I were to be in like a super nice van right so it's a different experience for me when being a poor person living on the road or living in a van than somebody who has like a big savings or somebody who has like a nice outfitted van that's going to be a totally different experience and I think the only experience we really hear about is the one that like people who have a lot of money or people who have a lot of privilege and so I just wanted to see and hear from and connect to people who don't necessarily connect with that mainstream narrative that's sort of like the story that we always hear and th not to say that that story isn't important because it is important I think that everybody's story is important but I just want to hear from other types of people as well I guess and so like those things I like I think those things are important to talk about too and honestly I don't follow a lot of mainstream van life accounts mostly because I get really frustrated with always seeing the sort of like the same narrative you know or the same people telling their stories and basically I just want to hear stories from all types of people that's really my goal with van life on the margins I think that that's fantastic and it's a long overdue conversation it's something that just candidly and I've talked about this a little bit on the show and hinted at it a little bit on the show but I'm just gonna come out and say it it's been a real struggle to have this conversation within the hashtag van life community because there seems to be a resistance to it. And I don't think that, not that intentions matter, but I don't think it's intentional. Like, I don't think it's malicious, but I do think that it's very harmful. And, you know, we do our best to feature women of color that we find, but I've said this for a while. It until recently, when more people have been more vocal about wanting to see representation within the van life community, it's just been flat out hard to find people online. And so when I traveled on the road, it was actually a lot easier to find women of color who were traveling than it is now where I have a home base and I do a lot of my research online and go off of recommendations or I'll go to a conference or I will be traveling and then find somebody. And there's a lot that we can do about that as a community. We can uplift voices of people who are of color or who are part of marginalized groups who we really want to hear more from and showcase them through, you know, you don't have to have a lot of followers. You don't even have to have an Instagram. You can just share this information with your community in various ways if there are stories and people who are inspiring to you. And I just don't see a lot of people doing that yet. And 
it's starting to happen more. But to your point about, you know, why don't we share more of this? Why hasn't this been happening? I don't have a good answer, but I can say that if we don't do something that we've already seen what happens and that's, you know, that the social media algorithms get to choose what it is that we see and it's very, very limited. And I can also say, too, as someone who was a female traveling with her male partner in a nice looking van and also got the cops called a couple of times, I can speak firsthand. Yeah, totally. But I can speak firsthand that oftentimes it came with apologies from the police officer saying, oh, clearly they didn't understand that you have a really nice van, essentially. And it always (laughs) felt really weird. And, you know, they'd be like, can we look inside? And, you know, it was funny in a way. But yeah, if our van had been older or rusty or didn't look as cool, I just I don't think it would have been that same conversation at all. And it's been nice that everyone within the van life community has been acknowledging, yes, it's a privilege to travel. Yes, I'm so lucky. And I would like to see that conversation continue to evolve into action of, yes, I understand that I have privilege. And it also obviously relates to my ability to travel. Clearly, it seeps into every facet of my life. And this is how it shows up here. And here's what I'd like to do about it so that we can see more people of color on the road or see more people who are part of marginalized groups on the road and people who might not feel like they could do road travel because they wouldn't be welcome or have a community to look to. There are people of color and people in marginalized groups on the road. We just don't see a lot of them online. And that has a really damaging effect. I can say women on the road wouldn't exist if we as a team hadn't been frustrated and if Gail Straub, when she started this, hadn't been frustrated with the lack of representation for female road travelers. And now it's a a huge thing. And it sounds like the same thing happened with Fat Girls Hiking, too. So there's such a power in bringing people together, but it also requires that allyship from other people and uplifting those voices. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like, it's funny because when I first started Fat Girls Hiking, She Explores was, like, the only account that I was, like, all women. And I loved that. I was like, yes, this is great. And now, of course, there are many, 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 right, um, that are, like, women-specific groups for the outdoors. or And, yeah, the, the women on the road thing was, like, incredible to me, too, because... You know, I'm like, honestly, when I'm in my van and I'm like, you know, by myself, I'm I travel alone and I live alone in my van. Like, I still get that, like, you know, dude alone in his van kind of feeling creeped out by him, you know, <laughs> I don't know what that is. But like whenever I see like a, a woman or one time I saw this lesbian couple in, in a van, like just in my town, like where I park every day and like I always feel this like affinity for other women in vans you know and I think that all that goes to like how we choose to live our lives and like who we choose to like uplift and whose stories we are even interested in hearing and yeah I do think it's improving over the years and I think that's awesome and I think that's like the way that we want to go I think that people even more are wanting to hear voices of marginalized people. And I think that's great. And I think that like even more voices from marginalized people are being amplified. And I think that's how it should be. And I think we should always have a wide variety of people's voices and experiences to listen to and learn from. I think that's the biggest thing is like, 
learning from people and learning from their experiences and then having them tell us how we can support them in their experiences of the world you know that's what I want because I you know really the goal for me is like I I want people to feel like they belong wherever they want to be and that's so important I think that when you feel like you belong somewhere that is a game changer in your life that makes you feel so much confidence and self-worth and you value yourself and I just want everyone to experience that I guess so whether it be like on a trail or just in the outdoors somewhere or whatever activity they want to do um to feel like it's safe for me to be here and I will be welcomed here and there will be a space for me you know in this group or whatever it may be and that's sort of like the whole point I think of you know women on the road and that's the whole point of she explores and for me for fat girls hiking and all the stuff that I'm doing in my van and I think that we all are doing this work together in a lot of ways to get to that goal where people feel like they have this community and that's so amazing to have community to have a place where you feel like you really belong and people are uplifting each other I don't think we could really ask for more a safe place where we feel like we belong you know that's so healing before we wrapped up our call summer wanted to share some final thoughts on what she would tell folks who are thinking about getting into road travel but might not feel like they belong i think there we have this idea about van life that you have to have a certain type of van or a certain type of vehicle or have a lot of money or you know there's all these things you're supposed to have in order to do it and I think that if you want to do van life if you want to travel and live nomadically I think all you really need is sort of a job where you can do remotely and everything else you can figure out I think in my experience I lived in, you know, obviously a Toyota Corolla and a minivan and I made it work. And I think that I just want to inspire people to, if they want to try this way of living, if they want to just go for it, like it's scary for sure, (laughs) but it's worth it. I think that the amount of self growth and self-reliance you have figuring out your daily things through living in a van and the way you can connect to nature and just Really, I have so much more time to do all of my creative stuff that I like to do, writing and drawing and photography, that like you really just like have so much more time to do the things that you love. I just want to inspire people to do that and go for it. And I don't have it all figured out, but I definitely like figure it out as I go. <laughs> so that's the only thing that I think I wanted to say to people, that you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a fancy vehicle to do it, that... You can do it in your own way, and and what a beautiful thing. Thanks so much to Summer Mashad Skog for her time, energy, and honesty in this conversation. If you'd like to learn more about Summer and her work, we encourage you to follow at Fat Girls Hiking and at Van Life on the Margins. And to Summer's point, if you're looking to diversify your feed of those living on the road, our team is finding a lot of incredible female road travelers by following the hashtags Black Van Life, Brown Van Life, Asian Van Life, Fake Van Life, and Diversify Van Life. We'll post this and other resources into our show notes for you to check out if you're interested. We'll see you next week, but in the meantime, you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram at Women on the Road and on Facebook, including our Facebook group for community questions, stories, and support, which you can find by searching for Women on the Road Podcast. Also, if you'd like to support the show, we'd really love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in. 
You can even share this episode with a friend you think might like it. That always helps a lot, and this one might start a really good conversation. Thanks again to our sponsors, Merrill and Deuter. Music is by Jason Shaw and Josh Woodward. Women on the Road is a production of Ravel Creative. Until next time, we'll see you out there.